It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk. Today is Friday, April 23rd. My name is Paul Sickman from Knox Sports Marketing here in beautiful Tampa, Florida. And my co-host, as always, is Brandon Parks from the University of Tennessee in the Vol Network. Hello, Brandon. Hey, Paul. Uh, excited to be on today. Um, really excited about our special guest that you've got uh, to join us as a lifelong radio guy. This one, this one has a chance to be a, a great podcast for us. I tell you what, it is very exciting for me as well. Brandon, give this a listen before we start. Right now, it's a third down for Florida State. This game is getting very close to being in jeopardy. Florida State leads 27-21, but it's third down and 10 here. John Eason's got the headphone on, and he's sending the play into Charlie Ward. Charlie needs to get 10 yards here with 5.44 to go. 27-21 is the score. Third down 10 from the Seminole 21. Prior wide right, Dunn and Floyd are the running backs. And Charlie Ward will shift them into the eye. Three wide receivers now with Prior to the near side. Ward takes the snap. Play action. Drops. Looks. Popped out of the pocket. Runs to his left. Throws it downfield. It is caught by Dunn. He's got the first down to the 40. Dunn to the 50. Dunn down the sideline to the 40. Dunn to the 30. He separates. He's to the 20. To the 10. To the 5. Touchdown. Florida State. Warwick Dunn on third down. Unbelievable. Gene, I tell you what, what a great play by Charlie Ward. As he was just corralled back there, came out. He picked up the streaking. So, Brandon, our topic today, as you already alluded to, is college radio play-by-play and what makes a great broadcast. Well, to bring this to life, we have an amazing special guest. Gene Deckerhoff has been the voice of the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers since 1989, and more germane to our audience, has been the voice of the Florida State Seminole basketball team since 74 and the football team since 79. And also a great friend. Please welcome Gene Deckerhoff. Hey, Paul, it's always great to talk college sports. And uh, Brandon, uh, I know you like that call. The Knolls beat the Gators. I know the Vols love it when Tennessee beats Florida. So, hey, we're on the same page, big fella. Hey, we've got a lot in common with that. Uh, and let me say, <laughs> the, the, the first immediate thing that I think about in great radio is a great voice. And, and you have a, a distinct and recognizable one and have had an incredible career. So this is going to be a lot of fun Uh uh, diving into your craft, uh, which, which, which is a, a thing of art. So thank you for being here today. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, my pleasure. And like I say, it's always great talking, not only just college sports, but uh, college sports broadcasting, uh, something we very seldom talk about because that's what we do for a living. And right. uh, generally we're talking about, you know, who's going to start a quarterback, who's going to be the, the guy to go to on as a wide receiver and who's the stud on defense. And uh, how about that secondary? And, and uh, are you going to win the ball game? What do you think? And stuff like that. But uh, hey, today we're talking about something very dear to my heart, and that is broadcasting uh, sports play by play. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I, in fact, you know, uh, television, uh, you like watching the pictures, but there's nothing like listening to a football game or a basketball game, and for that matter, a baseball game, 
on radio. Now, I can't say as much about maybe boxing or uh, tennis or golf, but on the radio, <laughs> football, basketball, and baseball, I, you know what? Hey, fellas, I'd, I'd just soon listen to the radio than watch the picture, watch, watch television here. Well, and that's why you're so good, Gene. I mean, I, I am, uh, I don't think anyone would say that I'm not biased because I am, and I, but I don't believe anyone out there paints the picture of what's happening in front of them better than you do. I know you give the basics of down and distance and time and the clock and weather and fan reaction, who's coming and going from the field, but it's all the other details that you always are able to do and give to us that transforms you from just listening to an event to feeling like you were actually there. And that's what makes great radio. So, so Gene, off the top, what is your opinion? What is the difference between a good and a great radio play-by-play broadcast? Well, good and great play-by-play announcers generally are very well prepared. Uh, Red Barber, the late Red Barber, one of the all-time greats in this business, uh, even though he talked like a Yankee, I still love listening to Red Barber. <laughs> but hey, he, hey, what can I say? He was from the South, but he, he, he I, I digress, but he broadcast for the Yankees, obviously, and uh, was the, I, I believe, the first sports director for CBS Sports. I know he, he had that title, but I don't know if he was the first. But uh, his, his old saying, it's, a, it's sort of a, a, he probably plagiarizes uh, Thomas Edison, but uh, uh, play-by-play broadcasting is 90% perspiration and 10% inspiration and the perspiration in this sense was preparation and uh that, that that's a motto that i go by i probably spend more time preparing for a sports broadcast even though i've been doing uh, florida state football for 43 years coming up and uh, basketball for 47 i still I, I probably spend too much time preparing but then if you don't prepare you're not as confident as you are uh, uh behind that microphone so preparation is key uh, and then the inspiration, uh, just, just the environment, being in a press box, watching the teams either on the field or on the court, uh, that gives me, uh, I can't say goosebumps, but I get pumped up. Uh, maybe not goosebumps pumped up, but I'm pumped up when it's time to uh, uh, start broadcasting the game. But again, the preparation prepares you to do a quality broadcast. And uh, the, the great announcers, well, they prepare and they also deliver a word picture that, uh, you know, it describes exactly what's going on. And, and Red also said that as a broadcaster, it's word pictures you describe. Uh, let me give you an example. Red Barber brought in a young guy uh, uh, out of college, uh, had never broadcast on a network, and he assigned him to do a Fordham football game from a not, not even a press box, sitting on the roof in a snowstorm. And the guy's name was Vin Scully. And he knew from the time he heard Vin broadcast the game, describing the word picture and not even talking about how cold it was, how brutal the condition, and we're not in a press box, but he described the game and, and the flow of the game. He was inspired to broadcast, and by golly, he got a pretty good job. Um, the next thing was history. He got the Dodgers job and then moved to L.A. and uh, just recently retired. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. inspiration, that's key, and you got to develop that word picture. Yeah, you know, Gene, I don't Gene. think I've ever called you in history when you haven't been working on on, on depth charts and working on backgrounds. So that's that's exactly I think you are a living example of that. Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask Gene, in a normal week, whether it be the Seminoles or the Buccaneers, do, do you stick to a routine in your planning process? And as you know, teams have their day-to-day routine gearing up to play on Saturday or Sunday. Do you do you follow a similar type schedule? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, you have to be, uh, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> Red Barber up in heaven. Red, uh, it's uh, preparation, inspiration, and uh, also uh, be sure to stay to that calendar. And uh, structure, I guess, would be the word. And uh, not infrastructure, that's an overused word, but uh, structured calendar. And, and uh, yeah, driving back from Tampa on Monday, my wife drives halfway, I drive the other half. And while she's driving, I'm updating Florida State statistics and uh, the opponent statistics that I've gotten off the internet before we left the hotel in Tampa. And uh, uh, the first game I prepare for is the college game because it comes on Saturday. And generally, and Brandon, uh, probably the ball network is the same as the Seminole network, but uh, you have coaching pregame show responsibilities. And I, I know this, that uh, I have to be ready to ask the uh, head coach at Florida State, Mike Norvell, some uh, uh, good questions so he knows that I'm prepared But uh, to, to, to do the pregame show. So I have to have that game finished first. And that is beginning on Monday, finishing up on Tuesday or early Wednesday morning, and then put that to bed and then uh, start working on the Buccaneers versus whoever they play. That's, that's the schedule. And it gets a little bit friskier during the month of December when you have, or November, when you have Florida State football, Florida State basketball, and NFL football. But uh, yeah, the schedule is prepare for the college game first, put that to bed, do the coaches show, and then prepare for the, uh, the NFL game uh, after that. So it's a couple of days of pretty intense preparation for both of those. So, Gene, I, I, so many broadcasts, you're in incredible venues with great crowds and all that atmosphere, bands, et cetera. How important is it when you do a broadcast, in your opinion, to just pause sometimes and let the crowd be a part of the story? Yeah, I, 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 it depends on the sport. Obviously, a basketball that happens so fast that you can't really let the crowd really, really last too long because at the other end, somebody's scoring a basket again or at least taking a shot. But, uh, yes, uh, particularly – in baseball play-by-play, uh, when somebody hits a home run, you just sort of lay out. You, you just I'll probably count to six, seven, eight, nine, ten before you come back. And if you lay out for that long, the crowd noise, you got to be sure that that's jacked up pretty good. And uh, after that, that, that listening to the crowd react, then you got to come back and say, that was a home run, you know, home run. it's just out of here, but uh, drives in three runs or, or, or what have you. But uh, in football, yes. Uh, and again, it depends on the venue. If you're at home, let it go. If you're on the right. road, you don't get that big, you know, if, if Florida state plays Florida in Gainesville, uh, we have maybe, maybe 8,000 fans and that's about it. And you're, you're drowned out by the other guys that were in orange and blue. So, so obviously if you're at a home and it's a big play, it's like the, 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 the clip that you ran, that was Warwick Dunn, uh, a great, it's called the separation call is one of my top 10, uh, all time favorite plays. Warwick was a, a, a freshman. Charlie was a senior and, uh, uh, we're, we're trying to play for a national championship. We've stubbed our toe against uh, Notre Dame, as you'll recall, Paul. And uh, we had to win that football game, which we did. And that game was still he's a little over four minutes to go. That game sort of put the dagger in, so to speak, and uh, Florida State beat the, the Gator. But we didn't get you didn't get that crowd roar in Gainesville that had that play taken place in Tallahassee. I may have laid out 25 or 30 seconds. I may have fallen off my chair. But uh, <laughs> uh, but but I, but but yeah, uh, in, in football. Uh, if you have a big play like that, uh, uh, go ahead and, and, and let that crowd speak for itself, particularly if it's a home. And remember this, uh, radio is local. 
Uh, and when I say local, we're on networks, but it's local specific to Florida State family. And if you're not a Florida State fan, you're probably not listening to Gene broadcast Florida State football or basketball or baseball. It's, but, but it's family. So uh, you're talking to the home crowd. And you better say nice things about the home team. Uh, uh, if you don't, they'll find somebody that will. But uh, uh, that, uh, <laughs> that, that's a true story. Uh, Florida State hired a, hired a broadcaster, uh, I want to say the 1973 season. And, and uh, good golly, we go 0-11. And uh, the, the home team announcer says, this is the worst, this is the worst football I've ever seen in my life. I, this is absolutely embarrassing. Uh, he was not invited back to broadcast, although his career continued as the uh, voice of the Atlanta Braves. Well, and you uh, and you got the uh, entree, the door opening for you in 74. Uh, so, so Gene, everyone, you know, I think what's really interesting is that everyone in business, and I want Brandon to, to pipe in on this, everyone in business has to be effective inside of chaos, right? I mean, you just, whether, you know, Brandon or I are negotiating a deal, a, a, you know, a, a deal in a high stakes environment. Uh, we're talking a client off a ledge in a bad situation. One of my favorite clips is your call the national championship game in Pasadena where Jameis throws to Kelvin Benjamin to win the game. There were seconds left. It was clearly the game winner. But what people, if they haven't seen the YouTube clip, don't appreciate is the unbelievable chaos that was going on around you in the booth with that happening. I mean, William Floyd is high-fiving the, the producer. There are papers blowing all over the place. Fans are banging on this. And you are just calm as the other side of the pillow, just giving the entire play, telling the doubt, telling everyone what happened. How do you stay calm in the chaos, Gene? Well, you, 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 you got to stick with what you do. And what I do is announce football and basketball games and, and uh, concentrate on your job. I mean, uh, it's great to be a fan. Don't get me wrong. If, if I'm not broadcasting the game, I'm cheering for the team that I like, and that's generally Florida State or Tampa Bay, but I'm broadcasting their games, Paul and, and Brandon. So, uh, as, but uh, yeah, uh, just stay focused. I, uh, you know, I mentioned uh, Red Barber's uh, inspiration and perspiration, and uh, then I added preparation. But the other thing is you got to stay focused and focused. And uh, uh, you mentioned the word chaos. Uh, broadcasting is one thing, uh, actual coaching and playing is the other. And uh, at this year's Florida State spring game, the Garnet and Gold game, Paul, I, I don't know if, if you had a chance to watch that game or not, but uh, Coach Mike Norvell came up with a, a unique idea. He wanted uh, uh, myself and three others to go down, and uh, uh, Jeff Cameron and I were uh, coaches on the sideline and uh, a writer for ESPN and a writer for The Athletic uh, were the other two coaches. And we had the headphones on, and we had the play sheet, and we had the call plays. And I want to tell you one thing. I, I got to tip my hat to people that are in that profession because your offensive coordinator up in the booth, he's talking about, if we don't get this first down now, you're going to face third down and so-and-so. What are you going to call? Before the plays even snap, so you're looking one play ahead. That's chaos, Paul. Broadcasting in the booth. I just have to know who's the quarterback, who's wide to the right, wide to the left, the running back, and what the down and distance is. But those coaches are thinking of play two plays ahead. Even if you haven't scripted up, that's chaos. And Gene, I'll, I'll chime in um, and, and sort of going back to the, to the call sequence that we listened to there. One of the things that I think is so fascinating about radio is, is when you are tuned in as a fan, then Gene becomes my eyes and ears for what I'm hearing on the field. And, and one of the things that I have always admired about the job that you have done is, is your ability to walk that ball down the field. And I think sometimes um, you know, if you're watching on television, you can visually see what's going on there, and therefore you don't rely as much upon the uh, the play-by-play -play guy in the booth. But in radio, 
I'm counting on Gene to, to walk that ball down the field so that I know if Warwick Dunn, uh, every 10 yards, I know where Warwick Dunn is. Uh, and Gene, that's something that I've always admired. Um, as fast as the game is and as quickly as things move, uh, you just have a, a real talent for for painting that picture as if you can see it in your mind as Warwick Dunn's racing down the, the sideline. Yeah, that uh, again, that that separation calls one of my all-time favorites. I think the punt Ruski is still number one, but uh, no, Kelvin Benjamin moved to number one with the uh, the catch. It's caught, caught, touchdown, Florida State. Knowles take the lead with like 17 seconds to go in that ball game. But uh, yeah, you're right. Time, time, and score is the most important thing. Young, young. Young fellas and young ladies, I mean, uh, that, that want to get into this business brand. They say, what's the most important thing you can do on, uh, on a broadcast? And, and without hesitation, I will tell you this right now. It's time and score. And then down and distance is important. Then painting that picture of who's on the field, uh, which direction the team is moving, right or left. Are they heading toward the north, heading toward the south, if you have a compass and can figure that out. But uh, th- those are parts of painting the picture. But the nuts and bolts of the business we do, Brandon uh, and Paul, is time and score. I often say that uh, your listener is not necessarily listening to every word you say, but he certainly wants to know if his team is winning, particularly yeah. it, it, particularly if you get the car to run to the store to pick up something cold to drink, to head back to the house and catch the second half, you want to know the time and score. And I, I, I'm kidding when I say this, but the most important thing you can do is time and score. And if you said Bucks lead 14 to 10, Bucks lead 14 to 10, Bucks lead the Chiefs 14 to 10, Chiefs are behind <laughs> 14 to 10. If you did that repeatedly, I think people would say, hey, now I know what my team's doing. But uh, I exaggerate, obviously. You can't just do that. But that is the most, that's the most critical thing. Already. And now, if you watch television broadcast presentations, it used to be a long time ago, well, not that long ago. You didn't know what the score was unless the announcer told you. Now you'll see that little button up on the one network has it in the top left. One network has it in the bottom right. You know, they, they're not going to do the same thing the other network does, but you know what the score is visually by looking at that TV monitor. Uh, uh, another thing, uh, started doing this, uh, Brandon, probably eight years ago, nine years ago, but, but you keep a drive chart. I've always sort of kept the chart of scoring for sure, but I keep a drive chart and it's, it's good to refer back. This drive began back at the 20 yard line the Seminoles are leading 10 to nothing with a chance to maybe you know get another touch another score before halftime and then uh, down in distance time of score but this drive started at the 20 yard line we're at midfield it's been you know 30 yards and a half dozen plays but uh adding that and then you watch uh ESPN or CBS or or uh NBC on on Sunday nights uh NFL games uh you'll see that little button down at the you'll see the little drive chart you know drive began here this is the 14th play and uh then the other stats I mean we're where, where stats are important in sports, uh, uh, but not that important, but we always have to have something to mention. So, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the Buccaneers have converted three out of seven third downs, you know, and this is third down and seven. See if the Bucks can, uh, you know, make it four out of eight. But uh, uh, th- th- that's the word picture. But again, again time and score. And in basketball, time and score and who's on the floor. That's uh, the way I remember it. And uh, now with that new stat broadcast system on the computer, you can dial up that who's on the floor, but they don't give you the first name. So you got to sort of use the last names in a hurry and you don't have much time in basketball. You know, 25 second shot clock, 30 second shot clock. I mean, you got to get 
who's on the floor. And then in, in baseball, Red Barber had that dead gum uh, uh, hourglass thing, you know, the three minute egg timer. And uh, when that egg timer was empty, he better give the score every three minutes or uh, they're going to find somebody else to do the game. So yeah, time and score, very important in football. And uh, obviously in baseball, baseball, you could tell 14 stories and not tell the score and people are throwing bricks at their radio. You know, you talk about preparation. I think you really spoke to Brandon when you said going out to get something to drink because he wasn't prepared. That's really the story of his life, why he listens to so much radio, because his wife is constantly sending him out because he was not prepared <laughs> for the broadcast. So I think you nailed that one. So, Gene, Paul, Paul it, that's not that is not accurate. I think the, the real story is I forget the drink on purpose so I can listen to the radio. Oh, that's that's okay. the real that's the real answer. Well, story, you know, uh, radio advertising works, Paul. You know that you're in the business as well. And uh, when you hear that little jingle of that commercial inviting you to get something to drink that uh, really tastes good and is less filling, that makes you want to run out of the store, doesn't it? <laughs> well, let, let's let's segue into there. So, Gene, I know if it was a perfect broadcast world, and there there would be no little index cards handed to you all game long, because I know that that's probably your favorite part of the entire broadcast is all of the, the just the flood of index cards that are handed to you all game long that Brandon and I are responsible for where you do live reads and and promote this and promote that and and all that world and then you have to maybe do a a, a live commercial or a live feature and all those things that probably broadcasters all essentially hate but I want to kind of flip it for you right now because this is the world that Brandon and I live in and we live in a sponsorship world so I want to ask you do you have any advice for sponsors that that want to that, that really want to participate in a broadcast and I, I may be outside the general commercial, but any advice you might have for sponsors that want to effectively integrate into a broadcast? Yeah, I do. And, and I'll, I'll go to talk radio as a genre, uh, genre, whatever you talk radio formats. And uh, some of the most effective advertising is when the host does a commercial. And uh, I listen to morning radio and Tallahassee, Florida, and, 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 and the, the, the personality giving the 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 convert the endorsement to the sponsor is huge and i think that's why you have more and more what we call liner cards quotation quotation liner cards uh because because you know if the play-by-play -play announcer and generally you know you've been around for a while you know like not maybe not 42 years but you've been around eight nine ten years people know you people respect you and if you endorse a product even though you're not endorsing you're just reading a liner card uh i think that has i think that has impact but i would say this that if uh, announcers are going to personally endorse your product, they should be compensated in one way, shape, form, or the other. And I honestly think there are way too many liner cards that if talent is not getting paid for doing those liner cards, then uh, that might not be as fair as it should be. But uh, then again, uh, when you're doing a liner card into a commercial break, out of a commercial break, and this from the uh, Campbell Soup broadcast booth that uh, – <laughs> <laughs> at Nayland Stadium, okay, or whatever the, the broadcast booth is. And, 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 and this, another first down brought to you by, you know, first and 10 at the uh, first, first federal savings and loan or something like that. Uh, maybe not so much that, but if you're reading a 15 second uh, liner card going into a break, I think there should be compensation. Uh, I do know this, that the Seminole Radio Network has at least two, maybe three that are at least 25 to 30 seconds long. And that's the full, you know, if you do commercial, Commercials, a network commercial, like, you know, I do about three, uh, you have a fee that you're paid, but then those liner card things, it doesn't, it seems like you're doing, you're more effective doing that. And yet there's no compensation for that. Uh, I've, you know, I've got a job, I get paid. So, Hey, maybe that's built into the salary. Yeah. Well, well and also I mean, Gene, I, Gene, I'll say, um, 
you have the normal cluster of commercials with 30 second spots yeah. and, and that has its place within the broadcast. And then the, the invention of these live reads that you now do uh, we hear it from the clients. Well, yeah. it's great if I can get out of that commercial cluster and have yeah. content within yeah. the game itself. Uh, and I, I, I think there is a balance and it's a balancing act to that in the sense that you don't want to over commercialize your product. Um, and you've got to find that healthy balance of what makes sense. And then there are certain things that we do and, and we may come back and say trial by error. We made a mistake. That's over the top. Yeah, um, right. So it's uh, it, there, it's definitely a balancing act and, and certainly trying to create value for everyone that's involved. Um, but, um, but we can't, at the end of the day, we can't forget what we're there to do and that's to broadcast the game. Yeah, yeah, Brandon, oh. I, I I stepped on my toe a little bit. I think it's Neil and I think I said Neil. It's Neil and Stadium, right? Am I am I on the ball right there? The general oh, is back. Gene. He's back sitting up. Uh, Gene, this could this could be its its entire own podcast. Um, yeah. So, uh, Gene, did you know John Ward? Yes, I, I, I met John the last broadcast he did. Florida State versus With, Tennessee Fiesta Bowl, uh, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, that's exactly we, right. We should have won that thing. Ninety eight season. Yeah, he was in the booth right next to uh, the, the Florida State broadcast booth, and I made a point to walk over and say, uh, congratulations, I'm a big fan, and uh, it, it will never be football time in Tennessee again like it has been <laughs> for the years that uh, John Ward was the broadcaster. Uh, I know he retired, and uh, I guess he made it to a, a couple of ball games. I understand he lived on a golf course and played an awful lot of golf. I, uh, uh, I don't play golf anymore. I used to, but, uh, yeah, John Ward, a classic. In fact, there's a song, I believe is a country country Western song that give them six or something like that, that I, I have heard one time before. Well, yeah, Brandon, asked me, yeah. Brandon asked me, Brandon asked me to, to, uh, to use the clip of the peerless price reception from you as the yeah. lead to this broadcast. And I chose not to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, and I believe we had a block punt in that ball game. Uh, FSU playing uh, obviously without future Heisman Trophy winner Chris Winkie, and uh, Rooster Outson had defeated Florida as an all-time hero for me. But uh, Rooster just couldn't outduel uh, uh, the Tennessee Volunteers on that desert night in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. But uh, hey, it was a great game and a great run by the. Uh, that was uh, yeah, that was uh, that was part of that 14 consecutive year top four finish in the final polls and double digit wins that uh, has not been, had never been done before and has not been done since. And, not, uh, that's even not. with the great, that's even with the great Alabama teams, you know, winning uh, every year, winning national every other year, winning a championship. But uh, one year they finished with nine wins. And so they had to start all over again, Brandon. Unbelievable. They're, just, they're, not good no, they, they're not good enough in Alabama. Yeah. They, they no, and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, Clemson, keep an eye on those Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers. Somebody's got to step up and beat those guys here soon because uh, I believe he's got eight or nine consecutive 10-win seasons. So, uh, well, we'll take uh, that, yeah, we'll take that other advisement here in the next two or yeah. three years. It's not going to happen <laughs> this year. But, uh, yeah, Gene, send, da send Dabo to Alabama. What do you think? No, I, I, I shouldn't I, say that. I got, I, Gene, you, you know, I know that the Tennessee 99 game is probably not your favorite moment as, as a broadcast. Uh, but I will ask you, what is your favorite moment as a broadcaster? Well, uh, I've got many of them uh, of, uh, let's see, 517, I think, FSU football broadcasts, uh, over 2,100 touchdown Florida states. I would say any win over Florida, any win over Miami, any bowl victory, 
and uh, obviously the national championship games. If there's one regret, Paul, that that uh, I have and will will ever have, you can't go back and replay it. Florida State's Seminole Network could not acquire the statewide radio rights for the first national championship game in 1993, FSU versus Nebraska. As a result, I watched the game on television here in Tallahassee, Florida, and the Seminoles won with a field goal in the closing minute to beat Nebraska. And Nebraska fans still don't think that William Floyd scored a touchdown. They thought he was stopped short, but we had no instant replay in 93. And the uh, ruling on the field was touchdown. If I, I remind William, who was my broadcast partner on football games, that he did score. He did score the touchdown to beat Nebraska in that order. But that's, that's the one regret. But the, 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 the 1999 championship game, uh, Florida State, Chris Winkie versus Michael Vick. Uh, Vick was a redshirt freshman. Uh, uh, Winkie was a junior. And the next year would win the Heisman trophy but uh yeah that that was bobby's wire-to-wire season his only undefeated season as a head coach and that one has particular significance for me the Knowles became the only team uh at that time in the history of college football to begin the season ranked number one in the preseason and to end the season ranked number one in, in the final poll and to never drop out of that number one spot the entire year uh nobody had done it before i don't i i i don't think i don't think anybody maybe if anybody did alabama uh, possibly Clemson, but I'd have to do some research on that. But uh, yeah, those were highlights. And then obviously the 2013 uh, win over over Auburn uh, was 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 that's got to be right at the very top because uh, one the Knowles fell behind. We're, we're we're trailing so bad in the second half. It looked like Auburn's going to win this thing in a runaway. And then we get that 100 yard kickoff return for a touchdown. And then obviously the the drive uh, engineered by the the great with Jameis Weston and then the catch by Kelvin Benjamin by the way uh, how about that duo that, that that duo there Heisman trophy winner number one pick overall in the draft uh, first round pick and then Kelvin Benjamin let's not forget first round draft pick by uh, the Carolina Panthers so you got a first rounder to a first rounder we should have won by 40 well we had I think 21 out of 22 starters got drafted the team was not uh, really <laughs> struggling through talent but yeah. So Brandon, uh, yeah. Brandon, what's so I'll, I'll ask you, Brandon, what is your favorite broadcast moment? I'll go back to that, that season that we've been referencing on the, on the Tennessee side of things that um, the 1998 Tennessee, Florida game uh, was one of the atmospheres and games uh, that I've ever been a part of. Uh, so Palmer finally got the monkey off his back and was able to defeat the, the mighty Gators and Steve Spurrier in overtime uh, fans rushed the field, tore the goalposts down, uh, took the goalposts out of the stadium. And, and I'm sure that those goalposts are residing somewhere in fraternity uh, houses on campus, even to this day. Uh, but I, I remember I had the, uh, the John Ward broadcast. Uh, I had acquired a copy of that. And, and so I, I remember going back and listening, just listening to the broadcast and listening to Ward Ward uh, do that game and the drama that he created around that game. And the, the, the last kick goes up and all John Ward said was no sir re final score Tennessee 20 Florida 17 pandemonium reigns hey, I, just got, I, got, I just got I just got I just got chill bumps listening to you do it I can't even imagine hearing John Ward yeah, do it. so that's un- yeah. unbelievable <laughs> something that's that's fascinating about about John is he said pandemonium reigns at the end of the Florida game in 98 and then if you go back to 1982, Johnny Majors beat Bear Bryant in Neyland Stadium. They tore the goalpost down, almost the same scene. And he said, Pandemonium Reigns in 1982. 
for that broadcast, and he kept it in his hip pocket until 1998. Fascinating, fascinating. It's awesome, awesome. Well, Gino, we are uh, we are out of time. I, I cannot thank you enough for for, for visiting with us today and, and sharing some of the behind the scenes look at uh, what makes college radio great. And you are the definition of what makes college radio great. And and I really just appreciate you and appreciate uh, your willingness to come on and, and talk to uh, two idiots today and, and share <laughs> share what you uh, what you have learned. So. On behalf of Brandon Parks and our incredible special guest, Gene Deckerhoff, my name is Paul Sickman with Knox Sports. Thanking you for listening to another edition of Knox Talk. I will play one more Gene call before we sign off this week. Take care, everybody. And the slow wobbly kick has gotten away. And this, you had to hurry. Darrell Buckley will field it on a fair catch. No, he didn't call for the fair catch. How about this play? Buckley cuts it the other way. Buckley to the near side. He may go. Buckley to the 30, to the 25, to the 20, to the 10, to the 5. Darrell Buckley scores the uh, touchdown. He did not raise the arm. He, he lulled him to sleep. He lulled him. You call it so perfect, Gene. He took the ball in. No fair catch. He stood there.